0: Welcome to the Sermon Webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on January 8, 2016, on the basis of Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 6. What is this life if so full of care we have no time to stand and stare? It's a line from a poem written by William Henry Davies and it's it's the line that came to the mind of a writer for the Washington Post after he and his colleagues had finished conducting a rather interesting experiment. You see they wanted to see if they could take a bunch of busy modern American people, people with places to go and things to do and cause them to just stop dead in their tracks. They wanted to see if they could take people whose lives were probably full of more care than a Welsh poet who lived a hundred years ago could even imagine. They wanted to see if they could cause them to just stand and stare, even if just for a minute. They knew they needed something pretty great, something truly exceptional, something almost otherworldly, and so here's what they did. They picked one of Washington, D.C.'s busiest metro stations, and right in the middle of the rush of the morning commute, they had a man play the violin for about 45 minutes. It's the big deal, right? Just a, a, another common, ordinary street musician trying to make a day's wages. Well, understand that this man was no ordinary man, this man was named Joshua Bell. If you've never heard of him before, he is widely regarded as one of the world's greatest violinists. Just a couple of days before this little stunt in the metro station, he had played to a packed symphony hall and and the tickets to get into that concert were about the same as what they would cost you at Lambeau Field today. If you wanted Joshua Bell to come and play for your wedding or a fancy dinner party that you might be having, he'd be happy to come and play, assuming that you could afford his $1,000 a minute performance fee. So that was the guy playing the violin. And the violin that he had was was no ordinary instrument. The one that he played that day was made by Antonio Stradivari back in 1710. And even though the science of, of music and acoustics has advanced by leaps and bounds in those three centuries, the violins that he made are still regarded as some of the best ever made in history. To get his Stradivari violin, Joshua Bell had to fork out $3.5 million. So that's the man, that's the violin, and, and the music was no ordinary music. The song that Bell played that filled probably almost half of those 45 minutes was an exhaustingly long and incredibly difficult piece written by J.S. Bach, a piece that, that Bell himself says is not just one of the greatest musical pieces ever written, but, but he would say one of the greatest human achievements in all of history. Another musician named Johannes Brahms, who's no slouch, if if you've ever heard of that name, he himself said that, that if he thought that he could even conceive of a musical piece of that caliber, he's pretty convinced he would go out of his mind from the sheer excitement of it. So that's the man, that's the violin, that's the music. As those people rushed through that D.C. metro station, that was what was right in front of them. What do you think happened? I'll show you in a minute. But the reason I mention that story today is because here we are, two weeks removed from our annual celebration of Jesus' birth. When God himself looked down on our world in love and placed his son. Someone truly otherworldly came to live among us. And now today, on this day where we observe the Festival of Epiphany, the very first words, out of Isaiah's mouth are the very same thing that those writers from the Washington Post wanted to see if they could do in that metro station. Isaiah says, rise and shine. In other words, stand and stare and and just soak it all in. And as we look at these words today, we're going to see that God wants us to stand and stare at two things. He, first of all, wants us to stand and stare at all that is revealed by his light And then also to stand and stare at everything that is drawn to his light. So when God gives us that command, when God tells us to just stop and soak it all in, what do you think is going to happen? Well, the people at the Washington Post really had no idea what to expect. Some of them actually thought that the situation was going to get out of hand. You know, a crowd develops, and then there are people who are, who are trying to get through, and they can't, and so tempers flare, and pretty soon you've got the National Guard and tear gas and rubber bullets being shot, and they were a little bit worried. Here's how it really went. <laughs> During the 45 minutes that Bell played, there were just over a 1,000 people who, who came walking through. A couple of them stood and listened for a brief moment before moving on, but, but no crowd formed. In fact, it was kind of interesting, on the, on the other side of the room, on the opposite wall, there was a, a lottery ticket kiosk next to an adult magazine stand, and, and both of them received a whole lot more attention when Bell was playing. Both of them also received a whole lot more money Bell had his, his case open like, a, like any street musician would. And during those 45 minutes, this, this $1,000 a minute violin virtuoso pulled in $32.17. Some people were even throwing in pennies. Now before we're too critical, there are some brilliant thinkers, some philosophers who would say that that is exactly what you would expect to happen because that's exactly how art and beauty work. That, that it is impossible for us as human beings to truly recognize it and truly appreciate it without the proper clues. In other words, the violinist has to be in the symphony hall and not in the subway station. And maybe this particular experiment proved it. Those thousand people that, that passed through, all of them were, were well-educated, all of them were well-cultured. In fact, one man in particular probably had, had every opportunity and, and everything at his disposal to recognize Bell. He, he himself wanted to be a violinist when he was young. He grew up knowing and loving classical music. He even knew who Joshua Bell was and was a huge fan. And so when he walked into the room, he, he recognized that this was no ordinary musician. He stood there and he watched for 10 whole minutes. But he still didn't see it. He still didn't know who it was. He had everything at his disposal, every single opportunity to recognize the man in front of him and yet, and yet he didn't see it. That weight of discovery was too heavy for him to lift. Kind of reminds you of of what you heard about in today's gospel from Matthew. Usually the wise men get most of the attention in this story and we'll, we'll talk about them in just a minute. But think about everybody else. Think about those religious leaders, those teachers of the law who were there in Jerusalem. More than anyone else, they were waiting for the Savior to be born. More than anyone else, they knew the details that God had given about when and how it was going to happen. And when it finally did happen, they were in Jerusalem and it was in Bethlehem. And that's a 5K between those two. Three miles down the road, the Savior of the world was being born. And more than anyone else, they had the ability to give him the royal welcome that he deserved. These men oversaw the temple treasury. In other words, all of the gifts that God's people had given over the years in worship to God was under their oversight. And now, God himself was there. God was in the world. And yet they stayed put. They wanted nothing to do with it. And and all of that treasure remained under lock and key. It's not just what the philosophers tell us we should expect. It's actually what God tells us that we should expect. Yes, Isaiah says, rise and shine. Stand and stare at this otherworldly guest that has been placed right in front of your face. But then in the very next line, he says, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the people's. In other words, Isaiah's description about the the nature and the condition in which we are born makes impossible the very command that he has given. How can we stand and stare when we are in the dark? Being in the dark makes it impossible to see. It's not just that we're unwilling to see. It's not just that every now and then we're not very good at seeing. Isaiah says that we are incapable of seeing what God has placed right in front of our faces. And I don't know about you, but when when I think about my life, it kind of explains a whole lot. I mean, what if there was a security camera following me, following you wherever you went? You see, just as surely as Jesus came to live among us 2,000 years ago in human flesh and blood, so also today he comes to dwell with us. He tells us that we can find him in the gospel. In other words, in flimsy pieces of paper and black toner ink, in water that comes straight out of the faucet, in bread and wine that you could buy at any local grocery store. Jesus says, that's where I am to be found. That's where I will be with you. So what if instead of the six million people who have watched that fascinating video, what if instead they were watching a video of us? What would they see? Would they see people who all too often are are very quick to rush right by in pursuit of of jobs or hobbies or, or whatever the activity might be? In part because we are chasing after those things not just for the living and the enjoyment that they provide and that God established them to provide, but we're actually chasing after those things to form our worth and and our value as human beings. Would they see people who sometimes very reluctantly open up their clenched fists and cast in the pocket change and the leftovers? and yet then turn around and, and very freely and very generously and sometimes even very foolishly chase after other things just to get the slightest whiff of luxury or even to indulge in the pleasures of sin? Would they see people whose lives are are so full of care that they don't have time to stand and stare? I know if the video camera were rolling on my life, that's exactly what they would see. And, and again, it's no surprise because by nature, we are in darkness. But here's the good news. Any scientific experiment, in order to yield accurate results, needs to be carried out in a, in a closed environment. In other words, the opportunity for outside influence to, to come in and skew the results needs to be eliminated. And that is one thing that the people at the Washington Post were unable to do. They weren't in complete control of everyone who had passed through that morning. And so here's what happened at the very end of the 45 minutes that Joshua Bell was playing. Year. And of all those thousand people, there was one. One who recognized him and one who, as a result, just wanted to soak it all in. Oblivious to everything going on around her, completely unconcerned about wherever she had to be, whatever she had to do. And the funny thing is that it wasn't because she was so cultured. It wasn't because she knew so much about classical music. It, in a way, she kind of cheated. She kind of went around the experiment. Because two days prior to this stunt in the subway station, Joshua Bell had given a free performance at the Library of Congress in D.C., and and she was there. She saw him up close and personal, and so two days later when she was in the subway station, she kind of had an unfair advantage and she recognized him right away. But it's amazing what happens when she did. She wasn't going to move. She wasn't going anywhere. And you you can see the, the smile plastered on her face from ear to ear. When it was all over, she she opened up her hand and and she put in the case by herself almost as much as everyone else had put in combined. And and I'd be willing to bet her only regret was that she didn't have more. I'd be willing to bet that she gave everything that she had. Again, it kind of reminds you of what happened in that gospel lesson from Matthew. Those religious leaders with every opportunity and everything at their disposal to recognize the Savior and they don't see it, but God steps in. God intervenes. God turns on the light in that darkness. He puts that star in that sky. And from hundreds of miles away, men from pagan lands come to worship. A journey that probably took them months to make. And when they come, they bring with them not the leftovers, not the pocket change, but the very best treasures fit for a king. God intervenes and God turns on the light. And Isaiah wants you to know that that's exactly what he's done for you. Yes, there is darkness that covers the whole earth, including us by nature. But God says, But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Yes, at Christmas, we celebrate this wonderful miracle that God has has placed here on earth, this otherworldly guest. And yet on Epiphany, we celebrate a miracle that's just as important and no less remarkable. That God turns on the lights so that we can see. That he doesn't leave us all by ourselves to discover who Jesus is and the significance of his life. And that's why Isaiah can say, rise and shine. Stand and stare. Soak it all in. Stand and stare at everything that is revealed, By God's light and stand and stare at at everything that is drawn to God's light. What God's light reveals for you and me is that we have a value and we have a worth that this world and our jobs and our hobbies cannot possibly offer us. That our value and worth is so high that God was willing to pay for us the price of his son. And that because he did, you and I have a status before God of child and heir in his family. What God's light reveals to you and me is that you and I are standing in line to receive riches that this world can't even imagine, much less offer us. An eternal inheritance in heaven. Which means that as a result of what Jesus has done, you and I do not need to be slaves to our worldly wealth and our worldly possession. And in fact, we can turn it around. We can make money. We can make possessions serve us in bringing glory to our God. You and I have a joy and and a pleasure that is is far greater than the fleeting temptations of sin could ever provide. The joy and the pleasure of knowing that God in heaven is our Father, that he is smiling and beaming with pride over us, and that one day we will get to spend our eternity in heaven with him. Just stand and stare at everything that God's light reveals about Jesus. And stand and stare at, at everything that is drawn to that light. I'm pretty sure they didn't have YouTube back in Isaiah's day or video cameras, but Isaiah paints us this beautiful picture that is just as good. And, and the crazy thing is that for Isaiah, it's this picture that's way off in the distant future, but for us, it's right before our very eyes. People from all over and people of every kind, people of every age and class and background coming to the light. Isaiah sees herds of camels covering the ground. We would say streets lined with cars and parking lots full. Isaiah sees them bringing their wealth and offering their praises, all to bring glory to the name of God's Son. Stand and stare at everything that is revealed by God's light and everything that is drawn to God's light. God isn't saying that you aren't busy. He isn't saying that your lives aren't full of care. He knows that they are. And it's not just that you should stand and stare in spite of the busyness and in spite of the care, but really, really because of them. Isaiah says that as you stand and stare, your, your heart will be filled with joy. Your heart will burn and, and leap for excitement as you see everything that God has done. And so the busy you are, the, the more your life is filled with care, all the more reason to just stop and stand and stare. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.